Indeed, Father, we have been awakened out of our deadness into life. We have been lost and now we're found. And I pray, Father, that on this trek that we're on to know you better, nothing will deter us. There is no one like you. You said yourself, without faith, it is impossible to please you. And that if we come to you, we must believe that you exist and that you are the rewarder of those who earnestly seek you. And I pray that def- defines and describes us today, Father, that we are diligently seeking you. And I pray we enjoy every moment of the quest. Thank you for your presence in and among us today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, when all is said and done, when you boil the Bible down, you can read the book of Romans. And everything God wants to understand, us to understand about the life of faith, you'll learn the book of Romans. It's a heavy letter that Paul wrote. He is a great theologian, uh, but it's written for everybody. It's, it's for us to understand, even though it's difficult, and we have to wrestle through it. Two things you'll never hear God say. One is, you are so good, you really don't need my grace. And you'll never hear him say, you have done such rotten, horrible things, you can never have my grace. He will never say those two things. We have one thing in common. All of us share the same problem that we're all sinners. We're sinners by nature and by choice. And we all desperately need a savior. And so in the first three chapters of Romans, Paul pounds away at that. That none of us can live up to God's standard uh, it is a weighty standard. That's what glory means. It's a weighty standard. We've all fallen short of his, the weight of his glory, and we are guilty before him. But praise God, something's happened. Chapter 4 of Romans, nine times, uses the word credit or credited. That something has been credited as righteousness before God. He uses that word over and over. It's a, really a financial word that we, you would use in, in Quicken or some online software or a handwritten ledger in the asset column. Something has happened to us. So here is the passage. We're going to start in verse 16, Romans 4. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He's the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God and whom we believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will give righteousness, will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. 
This is not about just Abraham, he says. It's about us. Verse 23, this has been credited to him and is credited to us. And so a credit line, if you get a credit line in the bank, you have, you have money available to you, and you take advantage of that. A relationship is formed between the financial institution and you or me when we take advantage of that. The same thing can be said of a credit card. A credit card, so to speak, is a line of credit that's been extended to us, and we use it. We have promised that we're going to pay it back, and you better have the means to do it. And if you start using that credit card, you have no means of paying it off at the end of the month, then you're going to be in problem in time. God says, I'm giving you a status of righteousness based on the cross of Christ. It's up to us to activate it. Here are the three truths from the text. First of all, there is God who guarantees it. God who guarantees it. The credit that we get on accounts are only as good as the bank that guarantees it. That's simple to understand. Verse 16 says, it may be by grace and it may be guaranteed. It goes on to say that God calls things that are not as if they were. Now, what in the world does that mean? God calls things that are not as if they were. It does sound confusing. It means these two things. First of all, God calls Abraham a father even when he wasn't. God called Abraham and he told him, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Now, God didn't tell him that till he was 75 years old. And his son Isaac, the promised son of God, wasn't born until he was 100 years old. And so this seemed preposterous to Abraham, even while he waited. But he believed God. It was credit to him. That promise went unfulfilled. Abraham lived most of his life with an unfulfilled promise. He just kept believing the Lord. Now imagine somebody coming to Abraham, knowing the meanings of names. Names are a lot, meant a lot to people at that time. And they said, Abraham, ah, Abraham, hmm, let's see, that means father of, of many. So how many kids you got? I don't have any kids. But your name's Abraham. Yeah, I know my name's Abraham because I'm really going to have a lot. Well, you're 80 years old. You're 85 years old. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have a lot of kids because God told me. Yeah, right. You can see he, he, he continues to treat him that way, treat, treat Abraham as if he were already a father even though he didn't have any kids yet. And God kept saying, wait. There were times when Abraham wondered. Remember, and God had to remind him. And he said, look at the stars. Your descendants are going to outnumber the stars in the universe and the grains of sand on the seashore. And so Abraham waited, and he waited 25 years between the time the promise was given until he finally had the promised child of God, Isaac, who was born. So God, God calls him a father even when he was. He calls us believers righteous even when we're not. In other words, there is no way that you and I can live such righteous lives, upright lives before God, that we are acceptable to him. The Bible says no one is righteous, not even one. And so even our best acts are like filthy rags to God. That doesn't mean that he shuns our good works. It doesn't mean that he denigrates what we do for him. That's what he does. It means your best effort, your best effort, my best effort to honor the Lord in the best way next to the works of God and what he does are like filthy rags. By contrast, they're filthy rags. 
He loves your works. He loves your service. Keep doing that. Now, you know, our, we're here because faith is valuable to us, but not faith in general. The world talks about faith a lot. The world talks about faith and how important to have faith. You'll see people interviewed on the news. You know, I just have faith. Well, the, the, the value, faith, it's, it's not faith itself that's valuable. You see, you, you, you can say, I have faith, I just believe. But if the object of your faith is just yourself, there's, no faith, that, there's, no, there's nothing to that. Your faith, my faith, is only as valuable as the object of the faith. The object of our faith is Jesus Christ. That's what makes, he's the one that makes our faith valuable. It's not just saying we just believe or just have faith. There's an old saying up in Minnesota where the rivers and, and lakes freeze over a lot. Better to have a little faith in thick ice than a lot of faith in thin ice. It makes sense, doesn't it? You can be as sincere as you want, and you can have bold faith, and you go on thin ice, and you're just not going to make it. But praise God. God says, you have faith like a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. What he's saying is, if you put a little faith and the right object for that faith, there's no telling what you can do. And that's what we do. And sometimes our faith can seem pretty small. But you put that fully in Jesus Christ. He's the one that makes the faith so precious. It's who he is. So this is the God who guarantees this righteousness that comes. Second of all, there's the faith that accesses it. Now, you get a credit card in the mail, and there's that little sticker on the front. You can't start using the card until you call that 800 number or you go online to activate the card, right? It's for safety purposes. Now, when it comes to faith, it's not useful to us until we access it. In other words, until we come to really live a dynamic faith, that we live a faith that is real, a faith that is rooted in the right place. Let me give you an acrostic and maybe it'll help us understand what really faith is. F is for facts. It starts with the facts. In other words, the facts of the written word of God. What does the Bible say about God? What does it say about sin? What does it say about judgment? What does it say about me as a person and my guilt? What does it say about hope in God? What does it say that he'll do for us? What does it say about the future? What does it say where I come from? So let's start with the facts because the Bible or or our Christian faith is a reasonable faith. In other words, you can think through it. In fact, you need to think through your faith. If you haven't thought through faith, you're probably not going to last. Christianity is a thinking faith. You get to look at the evidence, examine the evidence, look at all the facets of it, listen to the eyewitness accounts, study the scripture, how it came together, why it can be dependent on, all that kind of thing. So all that, we start with the facts. A is for agreement, that once, once we look at the facts, then we say, I see that, I agree with it. It does make sense that God is creator of heaven and earth. It does make sense that he has a purpose for creating us. It does make sense that I have failed him, that I stand. So it's it's saying amen to everything you find out about the Bible, about yourself, about God, about Christ, who he is. It's agreement. Third is I internalize. You got to internalize. In other words, you take the truth, the facts, what you agree. See, you can, you can believe the facts 
And you can agree with what the Bible says, but never internalize it. And you can never live by faith until you make it, welcome it into your life, and let it permeate how you think, how you view the world, how you view other people, how you view God. The, 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 the Bible helps us, the truth helps us uh, uh, be changed from the inside out. The seed of the word of God is planted and faith grows when we internalize it. T is for trust. That's fully and absolutely trusting what God has said is true. Not only internalize it, but putting our full weight. Trust is putting our full weight on what it says. Get, getting here this morning, you demonstrated all kinds of faith. I mean, when you, when you got in your car, unless you've had car problems this week, when you got in the car, you believed it was you didn't you didn't pray before you turned the ignition. I doubt anybody turned pray before you turned the ignition on your car this morning, unless your car failed you this week. You just assumed it was going to start. When you sat in the chair, nobody shook that chair to make sure the legs were sturdy. Based on historical evidence that every time you come into this room, every chair has held you, it was going to hold you today. And so that was an act of faith, trusting that. Now, somebody in the row fell, you'd start checking your chair. But nobody has done that yet, right? So, we, we, so that's, this is what trust is all about. And find the H is hope. It's about hope. And hope, when, when the Bible speaks about Christian hope, it's not I hope so hope. It is a hope. It's only called hope because it hasn't been realized yet. We believe in a future beyond. We believe in God's coming judgment. We believe Christ is coming back. It's called hope in him only because it hasn't happened yet. That's the only reason. But as far as factual, it's going to happen. And we anticipate that happening. This is what faith is all about. And accessing that faith means I'm a part of that journey. I have to develop that faith. I have to feed it. I have to, I have to welcome the Lord in my life. I have to internalize his truth in him, himself as a person, and live on him, trust him. All right, and then we have the payment that covers it. Verse 25 says that Jesus Christ was delivered over. That's a financial word in the Greek language. It's a financial term. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Now, last week we talked, if you weren't here last week, we talked about this word justification. It means, it's a legal term meaning we have been declared righteous even in our sinning state. We know we still wrestle with temptation and sin and we fail God. But even in the midst of that, he still declares us his own, that we are justified, that we are righteous, even though, practically speaking, we know we are not that good. We know we do not always obey the Lord as well. This has happened because payment has been made. There's an old chorus that goes like this. Jesus' death paid for my debt. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. Christ Jesus came to wash my sins away, and now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, the whole day long. That tells the story. Christ Jesus paid a debt I could never pay. That's the good news. He paid a debt I could never pay. We have this phrase we'll use, give credit where credit is due. What God gives credit where credit is not due. There's nothing about our lives that should cause him to credit to our account righteousness because we're not all that righteous. We're just not. I'm not. You're not. In our best days, we're still 
fall, we still fall way short of God's standard. He gives credit where credit is not due, only because of his love. And so, you know, uh, you know, credit cards give these great come-ons, don't they? You get these invitations all the time. You're bombarded with credit card thing, deals. And, 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 and you're wooed, you know? And you know when your kids, I remember when our kids were little, now, now our grandkids, they think you can just swipe all the time. Swipe all you want. Tap and pay, go. This is great stuff. And you tell your kid, I'm sorry we don't have the money for that right. Well, just use your card. They don't get it. And if you ever fall into the trap where you swipe and swipe and swipe and swipe, it is fun until the bill comes, of course. And you owe $10,000, but then the good news, you only have to pay $25 this month. And next, next month, only $26. Oh, this is great. Then you realize what happens and, and, and how you're gotten. You know, I, I, uh, I, this, this debt that's been paid is so overwhelming. This debt been paid. You know, I love gift cards, but I have a problem with gift cards. And this is my problem. I never want to use them. I love getting them. But I never want to use them because if I use them, I don't have them. Is anybody else like that? <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, if I use it, I don't have it. I might want it later, you know? And so, I, so I'll get a stack of them. And we'll go out to eat. I said, let's use the gift card. No, 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 let's don't use that. Well, why not? You know, we should. Good. Well, I said, well, no, because if we use it, then we might want to use it next week. You know, this, but when you do use it, isn't it a great feeling that it's on somebody else's account? You know, somebody else bought our meal, you know? It's great. You, you all are so good to me with Starbucks cards. I tell you, God's people are, are caffeine addicts, and you understand it. And you understand it. And uh, I never have to pay for a cup of coffee, it seems like. It's great. And I, I, so thank you for that. Um, I, I, but, you know, that when, when we, every day of our lives, friends, paid in full, you, know, you, you realize, oh, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why was I thinking that? Why was I feeding on that? And you remember every time, paid in full, paid in full. Now, that shouldn't cause you. If that causes you to be wasteful and to be careless, just go sin more. That's what Romans 6 is about. If grace is so great, why don't we go on sinning so God looks good? Paul says, by no means, we die to sin. We'll talk about that text later. But, you know, no, we don't abuse that because we value what he's done. I love this verse out of 2 Corinthians 8. Uh, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. What a great statement. If, if, if you came up to me, and one preacher put it like this. I liked his, his illustration. It was like a church member comes up and says, I want to pay you all your debts. But you know where they live. You know the car they drive. You know the job they've had. And you think, ain't no way. There's no way you can pay my debt. But if Ross Perot or Tim Cook or, or Warren Buffett is a member of your church and he really likes you and he comes, I want to pay all your debts. Sure, pocket change to him, right? Our, our debt, well, there's only one person that can pay our debt, Jesus Christ. That's what he came to do. Now, the receipt is Jesus' resurrection, Jesus' resurrection of God's reason. Isn't it interesting how things change in the marketplace? You know, I'm doing tap and pay a lot, which is a cool thing, much faster. I love tap and pay. I get irritated now places don't have it. And, uh, and then now, but they're, now they ask all the time, do you want a receipt? Used to be. There wasn't a question. They handed you a receipt whether you wanted it or not. Now they ask you, do you need a receipt? Um, and, and, 
listen, when it, comes to, when it comes to your faith in Christ, you need a receipt. And the receipt is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the death, burial, and resurrection ushers in for us our full trust in that truth, that fact in history. When we welcome that into our life, it, 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 it brings to us abundant life and a future life forever and ever with him. Lots of people die for good causes. And they, are, they receive accolades for doing so. But, but they're, they're dead. They're dead. Jesus Christ died for you and me. And he is God's stamp. He came alive never to die again. The only death conqueror. And he is the receipt paid in full because there's an empty tomb today. That's the good news. Now, do you fully believe today? Do you fully believe? There are three levels of faith. One is emotional faith. An emotional faith. That is, well, you know, I, I, I want to. I want to, I, I, I have some good feelings about it. I, I feel like I have, I have some faith. I feel like I should do this, but it's still unpredictable. Because if it's based on your faith, if your faith has an ebb and flow to it based on life circumstances, I, I'm talking about where it's, you're really in and out. Where today you believe in God and you want to walk with him and tomorrow you're not sure. We'll see how you feel tomorrow. That's emotional faith and has no substance to it. And it's based on yourself. It's based on flesh. There's intellectual faith that says, well, I know I should. I know that I can. These are the people that are always on a quest in faith but never land anywhere. They're like a plane that circles the airport, you know, coming in for a landing, and then it never lands. And I tell you, eventually you're going to run out of gas. And there's going to be a crash because you can't just be on a quest forever. You have to land and make a decision about Jesus Christ. But then there's volitional faith. Volitional faith is where you say, I will or I have. You, you do something. You enact the faith. You, ac you, accept, you access what is made available by God himself through Jesus Christ. You come to him. You surrender to him. See, your feelings are going to be all over the page in faith. You know, you're, you're into, to, to have an intellectual assertion, you have friends and relatives. Well, I believe God. I believe in God. That doesn't mean anything in the course of life. It doesn't, you have to land. You have to say, I am going to put my full trust in. My dad, every spring, had new car fever. And mom invariably rolled her eyes every spring. She didn't understand it. And he would go and look and look and come back. And, 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 and often he didn't buy. He wanted to. He knew he could. But he never did. But boy, there were those occasions, those springs, when he actually signed his name and he brought the car home. It's a whole different thing between feeling like you want to buy a car, thinking about it a lot, mulling it over, and finally actually buying it. The same thing is true in faith. There has to be a time when you say, this is the day. Remember Paul in the book of Acts, he's, uh, he's talking to Felix, the governor. And the governor finds Paul very intriguing as he talks about Jesus. And finally, Felix says to him one day, uh, he says, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. Is there anybody here like that today? You know, yeah, there'll be a better day for me than today. There is no better day than right now today to come and to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. The Hebrew writer says, while it is called today, you know, make a decision.
We have no promise of tomorrow, only today. I read about a, a veteran missionary by the name of uh, Bertha Smith. Bertha was 99 years old when she died. I'm not sure what denomination she was associated with. But uh, she was a great woman of faith, they said. And they would ask her, Bertha, how are you feeling today? And she said, I don't know. I haven't felt myself today. But she said, I'd rather you ask me, how are you faithing today? Because she goes, that's what's really important. Not how I'm feeling, but how I'm faithing. What's the condition of my faith? So how are you? How are you faithing today? Is your faith in a good place? Is it rock solid? As you grow in the Lord, are you finding yourself, regarding of life circumstances, you're finding yourself increasingly unwavering because of the precious Savior that you know, Jesus Christ. He is our Lord. Now, when it's all said and done, we are made righteous because of what he did on the cross for us. I hope you know that. I hope, more than hope you know it, I hope you've welcomed that truth into your life by surrendering. If you haven't, the Bible tells the truth. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for being our Lord, our King, our God, our Savior, our dearest friend our counselor, our guide. And today, Father, thank you for declaring us righteous through the work of Jesus, your Son on the cross. What a God you are. Thank you for not withholding your very best for us that we might truly live. And I pray we will, never missing your finest. In Jesus' name.